Hey, do you teach yoga? Have you ever trained to lead yoga classes to be a yoga therapist? Have you ever owned a yoga studio? Maybe even just wondered what it was like for the women and men up there in front of the room on their mats, leading you through endless Surya Namaskars, down dogs, and pranayamas galore? Well, these are their stories and mine. I'm Rebecca Sebastian, a 20-year yoga teacher, 10-year yoga therapist, yoga studio owner, and co-founder of a yoga-focused nonprofit. I've done a lot in the yoga world over the last 20 years, pretty much everything except had a water cooler. You know, a place to share stories, talk about struggles, successes, and find other people who do the same thing that I do. Welcome to Working in Yoga, a podcast and substitute water cooler for yoga folks to connect and build community, to share our unique profession, our challenges, and our journeys with the world. Welcome friends to Working in Yoga. This week, I have an interview with my new friend, Deb Plaschenberg. Deb is the founder and owner of Prenatal Yoga Center in New York City. She highlights all her work as a pre and postnatal yoga teacher. And I think you will hear something in her voice that I found really striking. That's the tone that she takes when she talks about the thing that lights her up the most. I want that for all of us, this idea that we can evolve, often by accident, into a profession or specialty that most fills our cup and allows us to show up more fully as ourselves in the world. For Deb, that's childbirth prep and education. For me, it's teaching the tenets of true self-care. But for you, that might be something else. We all have such interesting journeys in how we became yoga professionals, and I hope it inspires you to listen to someone who is doing the work that feeds her soul as much as it inspired me to talk to her. Now, before we begin, this is the part where I ask you to subscribe to the podcast from wherever you're listening. That metric really matters on podcast platforms, and we'll push the platform to put working in yoga in front of other folks who are in the yoga world. If you're a longtime listener, I would be so grateful if you would take 30 seconds to drop me a five-star review, because those are the other metric that podcast platforms pay attention to the most. And today, this podcast is sponsored by Sunlight Streams, the online self-care studio. Join us for our virtual self-care retreat, July 28th through the 30th, and learn more at www.thesunlightexperience.com backslash online. And now, here is my chat with Deb Flaschenberg. Hi, friends. Welcome to Working in Yoga. Okay, I'm so excited to have this conversation today. This is something I'm really passionate about. So I'm going to welcome my friend Deb Flaschenberg to the podcast. Say hi to everybody, Deb, and tell everyone who you are. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, oh gosh, I wear many, many hats. The let's see where to start. So I'm the founder and director of Prenatal Yoga Center. Our physical studio is on the Upper West Side of New York, and we've been there about to be 21 years old on the Upper West Side. I know it's amazing. Um, I'm so proud of it. And we also have classes online, uh, everywhere, you know, online. And then some of the other hats I wear is I'm also a childbirth educator, and I was a 
a labor support doula for a little over 10 years. I'm a mother of two. I also have a certification in yoga for the pelvic floor. And then I know I love any, I mean, that's so, that ties so into the whole prenatal postnatal world. And and then my latest kind of um, endeavors, I've been studying to be a prenatal postnatal exercise specialist and a spinning babies parent educator. I'm a bit of a junkie for education certifications. Okay. So I love all that. We have spinning babies class actually at my yoga studio with they meet and use the studio in person. And the teacher is also a yoga instructor. So I, I want to hear your take on this, but I have always thought like there's such a great marriage that happens between what we learn as yoga instructors and sort of supporting women in the prenatal world. So can you talk a little bit about that since you are most definitely an expert? (laughs) Yeah, I think, I mean, Clearly, I think yoga can be really supportive to the pregnant body. I think it can be incredibly helpful to find balance and to help baby find its navigating way out, which is a lot of what spinning babies is about, about creating that internal balance, where I think there can be a little bit of a challenge in yoga is as teachers, if we don't have the understanding of the pregnant body and poses that tighten then we can actually cause more challenge for the pregnant person in the birthing world, which is why it's not a surprise when I hear of a lot of very strong yoga practitioners talk about having a challenging birth is because one thing spinning babies talks about is where are we having tension in our body and our pelvis and our psoas and the pelvic floor in the ligaments and the tendons. And we need those to be soft and balanced so that baby can navigate through. And if we look at the asana practice, so much of it is about external rotation. And when we keep externally rotating, we're actually tightening things like the piriformis. It's a lot of of psoas engagement. And there's a lot of place where we can create too much strength, too much tension. Now, what I think a lot of us forget that a tight muscle doesn't need a strong muscle. We can have really tight muscles and they be weak. So that's where I think if we're not mindful of how we use our practice with the pregnant body, we can actually cause more harm than good in certain ways. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, there's so much I want to dive into. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, I have 20 questions, but I want to actually, let's start at the beginning because I was reading your bio online and I find it absolutely fascinating from where you started to how you ended up because I feel like so many of us in the yoga world like we go on these journeys as professionals and then you'll find this thing that really resonates with you and all of a sudden you can like speak about it and like everything you were just saying like in this way of like you can tell it's your passion and it's really what you want to share with the world so can you sort of journey us through where you started to how you got into being such a passionate prenatal yoga and childbirth educator. Yeah, absolutely. So I started as a musical theater performer. My degree is in musical theater from a conservatory of music. So not even like a liberal arts school, like straight. I don't think I've taken a math and science course since like the 10th grade. Um, So singer dancer. And I'd been performing for a while. And then I was on tour doing a show and someone started talking about yoga. And I had done a little bit before. But then I got really, I started to get more into it. And it became this thing like, do I do yoga? Do I go to ballet? Do I do yoga? Do I go to ballet? And eventually the yoga won out. And at the time, this was, I'm going to so date myself. I think this was like 
the reason I always go back to that one time at the hospital with my student is because it lit a fire in between, oh, it's really fun to teach pregnant students to, I want to help them advocate and I want to be there to offer them, again, it's not for me to make choices for them, but I want to offer them the information and pull that curtain back so they know what's on the other side and they know the questions to ask and they know the people to have around them and they know how to help set them up that they have a more empowered than traumatic birth. So that's what really lights my fire. And that was such a turning point. And that's what became just someone that taught pregnancy yoga to someone that is passionate about supporting the pregnant person. So they have an amazing or rewarding or enlivening, whatever they want their experience to be, but it's their experience. So it means a lot to me that I have that opportunity to do so on a daily basis. So, you know, one of my favorite things about us as yoga professionals is that it can support our interests and those things that light us up. Like that minute your story just shifted into the like, I I started out as somebody who has having fun with prenatal yoga to this is my job. This is what I want to be an expert at. Yeah. Like I got chills and we just met. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, there that is in the back of my neck. Like. I want that for us as yoga professionals, like that light switch that turns on that you find the thing that really lights you up. Yeah. And so like, I'm, I'm excited to hear more and I'm excited to hear how you shifted from sort of childbirth education and doulas to training yoga teachers, because now yeah. you're the expert telling other yoga teachers how to do. I mean, that's like a big shift too. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I waited a little bit. I know a lot of people open a yoga studio and they put together a training really quickly. I wanted to make sure I really felt secure with the information and that I understood it so that I can then translate it. So I honestly don't know. I think my training might be 15 years old. So I was, I was doing it about five years before maybe a little longer before I made the training and the trainings evolved. Um, you know, it started, I think it started like 40 hours and up to 60 hours. Now it's technically 85. I mean, by yoga lines, but it's so much more because then it's changed along the way, not just the hours, but as I got more information, I want to give it to the teacher trainers, which is so funny because I don't have page numbers in the manual, which frustrates people so much, but I'm, because I'm constantly adding and changing it. So when I did this whole pre-postnatal corrective exercise specialist, I, my mind was blown and I learned so much more. So I'm like typing up and adding to the manual um, because it just excites me. And, and the more that I can offer the teacher trainees, the more they can bring to their community, but it wasn't it was more just a shift in, do I feel confident and capable relaying the information? I had to make sure I really embodied it and understood it. And even when I learned something new, I, I let it marinate for a little bit. I, I practiced teaching it to the students before I incorporate it into the training. Cause I want to make sure I'm really grounded in it and I can answer their questions you know, and because there's variations of issues that come up. So I want to feel really secure in that. I think you've said ex that's exactly it, right? So I hear a lot of new yoga teachers who come and say, so 
I want to figure out my thing. And I'm like, sometimes you have to follow, as my friend Sherry Dosto Rebel will say, she'll follow a thread. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a thread out there, and you kind of will follow it along and see where it leads. Like you did, you know, you were just sort of following that thread at the beginning. But then there's this moment where you're trying to shift from just knowing a lot to sharing and teaching other mm-hmm. yoga professionals. And you have to take it to your students first. You have yeah. to incorporate it into your classes first. Like 20 years in, 22, 23 years in of teaching, I would never give up those weekly classes. I still have a class that I'm teaching at my studio weekly. Partially, they're like my Petri dish. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I was teaching prenatal for I think a little over 10 years before I had my own kids. And so, which was really interesting because people are like, how can you teach prenatal if you haven't had kids? Well, so I eventually had my own two kids and my own two experiences, but the bigger experience was my students. I would watch their bodies. And so I created my own methodology based on watching their bodies. So for a while, when I first started, people were going from down to kind of swinging their leg forward or picking their leg up and moving it. Like that's so clunky. And so I started to think, what if we, I think I said out loud, I'm like, oh, you just need longer arms. You need like stilts. And I'm like blocks. So suddenly I started using blocks under the hands and looking at how they we're moving and it was and then listening to what they're saying what are their fears what are their concerns what are they excited about what are their aches or their pains and so you're totally right the students were my greatest teacher and they still are because yeah I had my two births but there are thousands that I can learn from because they come and share with me so I love that you said that because it really really resonates with me it's so important. I mean, I almost think especially, so I also have two children and like, I think especially with the prenatal and pregnant experience that you had the opportunity to learn about it before you had the experience. So you weren't inserting your own experience right. into your students teaching. Like, I, I feel like that happens so often, you know, like great aunt Edna is going to be like, well, and I was pregnant. This is how it was. Yeah. You know, we all hear those stories you had the opportunity just to be there with them and that's like so cool i love that i mean i still reflect and often when i do my dharma talk in the beginning i may bring something up but now it's not even reflective of the birth now i feel like i'm still learning from my kids but i can relate what i'm learning from them into how my students are mentally preparing for labor or a coping skill that I need because my kids can frustrate me and it's a coping skill that somebody can use for feeling nervous about labor. So there's so much that we can change and put out to our students through the lens of however we want to see it. Yeah, I think there's such magic there in that sort of beginning of us as yoga professionals when really what we have is our students. You know, we maybe don't yet have the thread or the content in our brains quite yet. You maybe have an idea, oh, someday I want to share something. I want to have a course or a training or a thing. Mm -hmm. But you're just there with them kind of going, okay, let's see what happens. Like there's kind of a magic in that early stage of the profession of just like you're in it. You're te- I mean, I don't know about you. It sounds like we started teaching around the same time. Mm-hmm. And I just, to make a living, I was teaching 18 times a week. Oh my gosh. I was teaching a crazy amount in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't ever want to do that again, but there is a huge advantage to that. Yeah. In fact, it's something I tell, I just finished my latest teacher training yesterday. Um, <laughs> I do 
four trainings a year and we just finished the last one for I think in school years yesterday and one of the things they were teaching a community class and a lot of them were closing their eyes or looking off and I'm like you need to look at your students for so many reasons but the biggest thing is you'll know what to say and how to teach them by seeing their bodies because what they're doing with their bodies is going to give you the information. It's not just memorized alignment cues. Their bodies are going to say what they need to hear in that moment. It was just kind of amazing that so many people, and I get it. I was watching, I was taking notes. It was around Robin. It's not the easiest. So many that were teaching with their eyes closed. I'm like, look at your students. Yeah. Okay. So this, this question just came up and you strike me as the perfect person to ask as a person who graduated from like performing arts school. Okay. There is this moment when you start teaching where teachers are learning to perform. You're learning what it is to be in front of the classroom, Yes. but to be a teacher is to remove yourself from the performance and answer the people in the room. Like, what are you telling your new students in that experience? Because I, I watch it in my teachers in the studio. I watch it when I'm training teachers. There's this moment where you realize you have to stop being in performance and start being with them. Well, I think performance is still being with them. I think authentic performance, it's not, you know, it's not musical theater jazz hands, but it's still, you're still sharing between being on the stage and being in the audience. You're still sharing something at that moment that's authentic to that moment. So I still think there is, that there, I think just showing up and holding the space. I also do believe being a performer gives me a little, this maybe a different skill set yes. in learning how to read the energy of the room and Ooh. knowing how to bring it up and knowing how to bring it down. So if people are coming in kind of really, you know, that evening crowd, they're like, I don't teach evening anymore, but I did for years. And then I, it's up to me to have to bring the energy up. And no matter what time of day of the class is, there's still a trajectory to the class, a peak and a release in the class. That's how I teach. And so I need to know how to drive them up without throwing their nervous systems into chaos and then hit that peak. And then how do I bring them down? So I actually think I tell my mom this and she's like, okay, I can't think how much money we spent on all your performing. I'm like, but I'm still using it because there is that awareness of my presence, how, where my voice is, where my energy is, my, and how I can work, not work the room in like a, you know, like a schmoozy type of way, but how am I going to manipulate the energy to serve them? Not manipulate like a sneaky way, but it's my job to take them on that journey of class. So I actually think having the skill set of a performer has been a huge asset. Ooh, okay. So I love that answer. That's a really great answer. So I, I call it running a room when I'm teaching, when I teach teachers, like, look, you have to run the room. There's a point where you have to be in charge of the energy. Yeah. Like you can come, you can have people come in and you say, okay, so if you're a teacher, you're, you're trying to get people from point A to point B. You, you say at the end, I always tell my teachers, I want you to think about how people will feel at the end of class. Mm-hmm. Like there's where we're going. Yeah. How you get there is a billion different directions, but there's where you want to go. At some point, you can't control the energy when it walks in the room, but you'll have to take control of it early yes. on 
when you're there. And so I love what you said, this idea of, and I did many years of theater too, so I agree with you that there's like an advantage to that performance aspect. And and like, it's interesting. Do you feel like that translated when we went online? Like, I don't know if you were online before 2020, but like when we went online, do you felt like that was an advantage at that point too? That was a huge advantage yeah. because I was comfortable I'm already, and I was already comfortable on the stage in a sense, but I was really comfortable projecting. And even though, and then you can't read the room because there were teeny boxes, but, (laughs) (laughs) but it was still my responsibility to take them on that journey. So, and, and I'm a comfortable talker in a sense. Um, So I think that helps. I know a lot of teachers say they feed only off their students, but you know, sometimes you don't get anything back. Like how many times have we had those classes where you walk in and you're like, I'm getting nothing. So, <laughs> but then it's still up to like, you know, when I remember in, when I was performing, like, oh, that was a bad audience. I'm like, it's not really their fault. We can't label them. Like it's our job to, to still make this work. So I did find it a, an advantage. And I also think another advantage of being a performer is there's a certain level of natural improv. I mean, I never was an improv performer. I take improv classes, but there are times, you know, in every run of a show that something gets a little wonky and you kind of have to shift and shimmy. And so there has to be a natural comfort with that. So, and when I, this came up the other day in teacher training, where I don't give them a script, even though it's funny, I came from Bikram. I don't give them, I know some teacher trainers, like you're going to leave with five classes. You know, this is it. I give them a, a found, like a template, like here we do a, a circle time check-in, we do restorative, we do a warm-up, but it's not, it's not laid out what's in that. And so because our class, our classes can't really be pre-formed because we do, it's called circle time. So I'm having every pregnant person introduce themselves, say their name and how far along they are, and then their aches, pains, and issues. So then I need to be able to hear what they want, as well as the issues, breech baby, sacroiliac pain, pubic pain. And I need to then formulate the class on the spot that's going to meet what they want and their issues. So that also takes a certain level of mental flexibility and being okay thinking on your feet, which I think, again, performers do have that advantage of. Actually, I think parents do, too. Oh my gosh, yeah. Toddler time will get you there like right away when they're all little and you're just like every moment's chaos or amazing. (laughs) Like you teach similarly, I I teach the same way and partially that is me responding as a yoga therapist. So my extended training came in the yoga therapy world, but then we're learning to answer to the humans who are in front of us. That's the literal point of us being there. So then as you're practicing that skill, I was learning to do that with groups of people. And so it Mm -hmm. sounds very similar in that way of like, that to me is the skill set of like marriage of performance and teaching. Yes. You're there to be upfront and guide people through something, but also answer to the people in the room. Absolutely. It's harder than people think. It is. It's a little bit like juggling many balls at once. One thing I tell our teacher trainees is I start to put things in buckets. So like, I know that sacroiliac pain and pubic pain and breach and previa, placenta previa have similar modifications. So I kind of put everyone in a bucket because sometimes the trainers, trainees are like, oh my gosh, there's so many modifications. I said, you can start to simplify it and recognize that all these poses with these issues will 
have a similar modification. So you don't have to say every single one. So I do try to simplify certain things for them. So I'm curious your opinion about um, prenatal training within like a basic 200 hour teacher training. <laughs> like, great, go. Cause I'm dying to know. <laughs> All right. So I, in the past have been hired to do those and I do the best I can. There's only so much I'm usually given anywhere from two to five hours. Now, as I mentioned, my training is a minimum of 85 hours, and that's only what we technically recorded, like to to Yoga Alliance. There is so much more. So I think it's helpful that new trainees get something, but I'm not sure if that's the right place. I don't know where it should be because... We only, in my teacher training, we only take people with a 200 hour training minimum because how am I going to ask them to modify poses if they don't have a foundation to go from? And that's where the catch 22 is because if they're doing their 200 hour and they're in the middle of it, they are learning so much. They're just trying to get the foundation of alignment and how to teach and how to sequence and understanding the anatomy. I'm such an anatomy junkie. And here, how am I then going to say, okay, I know you're still in the thick of the mud of the foundation. I want you now to learn how to modify that on the spot. I want you to now think about, all right, here's your prenatal modifications that you have to teach along with your foundational, your, your general population. I think it's tricky. I would love to either see a longer, and I know 200 hours, you know, it's been thousands of years, I feel like since I've done one, but there's, it would be nice to see maybe like 10 hours worth of prenatal. I doubt that's going to happen or a whole separate unit just for prenatal or maybe a 40 or my like 85 hours somehow attached to that. I'm not, I don't know how to answer that. I just feel like it's not enough because prenatal yoga isn't just don't twist, don't lay on your belly. There are so many considerations. We look at the hormonal changes, which affect the ligaments, the tendons, the stability, the soft tissue, you know, the smooth muscle, like right away at conception. And that has a rippling effect on, on the spine and on stability. Should they be in headstand if they don't really get it? Like there's just so much to consider, you know, how do the spinal changes affect neck pain and upper back pain and the shoulders? There's just, and how does that relate to the poses? I think there's just so much to, to consider that said, I also think the pregnant body is incredibly resilient. Um, you know, it's not like they're delicate flowers and we're going to do something, we're going to hurt them. But some of the things that, as I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, some of the things in yoga can actually not just make birth harder, but it can cause some more pain, like the SI joint, for example, so many of our poses can really make that kind of wonky. And if, and then we can leave our students more uncomfortable. So I'm giving you a very long answer to your question, but the answer is, I'm not sure what to do about it. I don't think it's enough time, but at the same time, where do we find the time for 200 hour? I I, I agree with you. It's complicated. I also feel like to some degree, when you're first starting out as a 200 hour teacher trainer, you don't need to know everything that you've just mentioned. You're literally just trying to figure out how to get people's arms in space, you know, right. Like, but I'm moving on the screen. Nobody can hear me, but like my mm-hmm. arms are up and out to the side. Like, 
that's what we're trying to teach people. But I also do feel like that's prenatal specifically is the thing that somebody comes in and they're pregnant and I see teachers freeze. Yeah, <laughs> I, I made a course, an online course. I'm so not trying to sell it. It's just kind of relates to what you said. It's called Who's Afraid of the Pregnant Yogi? And it's it's a self-guided online course specifically for that because I've had people say, I can't make the time or investment in a full training, but I freeze up every time or I panic every time a pregnant student comes in. What are a few things? And they, like they'll text me on Instagram or something. And I'm like, I can't give you all that right now. Um, so that's why I made that course specifically for the general teacher that is not ready or not wanting to do a whole thing, but they don't want to feel panicked and they don't want to feel insecure in front of the rest of their class. I remember being that, that teacher, like a pregnant student walked in and you're like, what do I do with you? Do I make the whole class just about you? Do I, am I going to kind of ignore you because you overwhelm me? You know, so I, I get it. It's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to, to do as a new teacher. I have to say, I'm so grateful you said you had an online course because I was going to press pause after we were finished and be like, dear God, tell me you have a course. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm so glad. Like, we'll drop that in the show notes when that comes out. Truthfully, because I do think that's something that it's it's like this missing piece of like a general training. I mean, I agree with you. There's a lot that's involved in prenatal yoga that a 200-hour teacher training barely has time to cover philosophy, yeah. let alone everything involved in a pregnant body right mm -hmm. um, and maybe you know you're gonna have people who are not at all interested in prenatal, right. but we also want to be the best at our jobs that we can be so how can we support that you know i love i like a self-guided a self-paced course sounds ideal <laughs> yeah i think specifically for that kind of thing it really is for those that just want to have that extra support because you don't want to as a new teacher or even a regular general ed teacher, you don't want to come across like you're ignoring someone in your class. You yes. want it to be inclusive. And so you don't need, if a, if a pregnant person is coming into a general population class, they're not expecting a prenatal class to be dropped in their lap. But we do want to be inclusive enough to have some basic knowledge beyond little basic, beyond basic knowledge of how to support them. Yeah. So let's say there are people out there who are yoga teachers who want to know, like, what are their first steps if they want to know if the prenatal sort of niche, I hate that word, but it, you know, like the specialty, we'll call mm -hmm. it a specialty, mm -hmm. um, is right for them. I guess you have to think about what they want out of it and why are they looking at that population? Do they want to teach prenatal classes and really help form that community? How do they feel about taking the seat of the teacher and answering their questions. Because one thing I'll say is a lot of pregnant folks, they have a lot of questions. So if some, and they want guidance because it's such an overwhelming time for most people. So if someone's considering, oh, prenatal, think, all right, am I excited about the idea of supporting pregnancy? Am I excited about the idea of learning about not just, at least in my training, it's not just the modifications, but we take a deep dive into childbirth education because that way we can hold the space and reflect back of, what should the pregnant person think about where they want to birth and who they want to birth and all their options. So I guess I have to think about what they want out of working with that community. Um, are they excited to learn themselves about pregnancy and the poses? And are they excited to learn about childbirth education? Do they want to dive into that perinatal world? So I guess that's what they should start, like why they want to take it and 
what do they want to do with the information? So tell me about your 85 hour yoga teacher training program. And I'm going to have one more question after this. I already know it. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. So um, our 85, as I've talked about it is online and in person. So once the pandemic started, we had our whole foundation ready to go online. We already, so we have this thing called a membership website, which is basically the whole training through video because we were already taking our training around the country. So people, before we met for our first weekend, they had this month long time to go through the videos and then we'd meet and then we'd have another month and then we meet. So when we had to go online, everything was ready. So we've actually stayed online and we do a few in person. Now, it was really interesting. We had it set that our upcoming September, October was supposed to be in person. And then the November, December was going to be online. But we had so many people say the timing doesn't work for the November, December, but it does work for September, October, but I can't get to New York. And we had so many people that we said, okay, let's just put it online. And so we switched it and we already got applications. We only put it out like a week ago that we're going to switch it. So we're being online, the same training as in person. It's going to be September, October online. Then we have another one online, which will be, I actually believe it's the last weekend in October. And then I think it's like December and beginning of December. Then it will be online again, January and February of 2024. My gosh, that sounds so far away. And then it will be back in person in New York, March, April of 2024. And then I have a postnatal teacher training online this May in about a month. So a lot is available. And what's been amazing with the online is we've had people from all over the world. The last training online had someone from Australia. It was like a 17 hour difference. We've had people from Switzerland, Dubai, South Africa, um, then go on the other side, Vancouver, Costa Rica, Mexico. It's I love the online space. It really allows the community to grow. Have you ever done a hybrid training where they're ah, both? Because I'm, I have not, and yeah. I made a choice about that. Um, I do hybrid prenatal classes, and I've got that down pat. But I feel like it either has to be focused online, and I can really use this the Zoom space, like the Zoom rooms, and like there's just so much you can do, and you know, screen sharing. And I just think it'd be too much back and forth, especially because we do round robin teaching. And I want them to get up and really teach the material. And I don't think I could pull off you online, you in studio. I just think it would be, it'd be too hectic. So I haven't got got that one down. So you do have on, you have hybrid prenatal classes though. Yes. Pre and postnatal classes. Yep. Okay. So I'm dying to know actually, because I'm very curious as we're exploring this brave new world of what, of what our profession is going forward using the internet. Mm-hmm. How do you think the skill set changes when you're teaching on both planes in person and online? I like it, but again, I think this is where my, I'm able to like the performer, like I'm teaching, I move the computer to a spot and like once I've done circle time, because when it's circle time, I want to see people a little closer Then I move the computer to a spot and I'm making sure that I have eye contact with the screen and eye contact with my students. So I feel really good with that skill. Um, yeah, it's something I think I've been able to figure out. It, t- it took me a beat or two, but I think, and I think that's the performer aspect. Yeah, that's fascinating. Like, I really love that partially because 
people seem to have chosen sides. You're either online or you're in person. And I actually agree with you on the training aspect of like a hybrid hybrid training sounds like what I would have to go home and sleep for a week. Yeah. <laughs> like how tiring would that be to be your full teacher self on both planes for long periods of time versus an hour. Mm-hmm. But the hybrid class thing, like I, I, I'm really proud of it. I think we, we, we get good feedback. I mean, the fact that the students are still showing up on both sides means that it's working. Like, I just almost want to come be a fly on the wall in your hybrid. <laughs> you are more than welcome. Oh my gosh. <laughs> just let me know. I'll give you the link. Show up. I'd love to have that. That's amazing. Oh yeah. I'm, Cause I'm totally going to take you up on that offer. <laughs> Good. Okay. So after the deep dive, they want prenatal education. And they're like, I heard the best interview with Deb Flash and Bert Pepper. <laughs> what do they do? <laughs> How do they find you? Oh gosh, I'm everywhere under it's so straightforward. Prenatal Yoga Center. I this was you know, the studio is almost 21 years old. So it was like well before fun snappy names, I think. So <laughs> It's good for SEO. Um, just prenatal yoga center um, on Instagram. Obviously, um, what else? Where are we? It's our website, YouTube, Facebook. Although I'm not super active in Facebook nowadays. Um, although we do have actually have for the teacher trainees and for those in our online courses, we do have Facebook groups so that I answer questions in them. And we, whenever I find an interesting article about you know something pregnancy, I throw it in there. So we do, we are active on that. Um, and I have a podcast called Yoga Birth Babies. Um, we talk about prenatal yoga, birth and babies. <laughs> Very straightforward again. But yeah, everyone can find me at Prenatal Yoga Center. Well, thank you so much for this interview today. This was wonderful. Like thank really you. great. Thank you. Thank you again, Deb, for coming on the podcast. Make sure you go and check out her everywhere at Prenatal Yoga Center. Here are our key takeaways. First, most of your favorite yoga pros have really who have a really specialized niche have gone on a journey to find the thing that they're most passionate about. Oftentimes it comes by accident or by lucky happenstance that shifts in our brains to become the thing that we want to share with others. Once you learn a new skill or have some new knowledge, bring that info to your current students before you integrate that into new workshops or trainings. Use your current students and classes as a petri dish to experiment and integrate new knowledge. Now, this is something we will be covering more in depth on during our professional development challenge. There is an aspect of performing to teaching yoga in front of other people. If you have performance arts experience, that can help you in your ability to capture your students' attention during classes and even if you transition into working in the online space. If you've never had performing arts experience, it isn't too late. Go take a class, join a troupe, or, and learn those skills of captivating a crowd. They truly can be invaluable. And finally, teaching hybrid can be a challenge in training settings, but is possible to do skillfully in group class settings. Watch for more conversations about this on the podcast as we talk more about what it is to be the next generation of yoga professionals. Now, thank you again to our sponsor, Sunlight Streams. Please join us July 28th through the 30th for our virtual self-care retreat. And join Working in Yoga for our professional development challenge July 16th through the 20th. It is completely free. And the link to sign up is in the show notes. And one final thank you. Thank you, the listeners. 
I truly love sharing these conversations with you, and I will catch you around the water cooler next time.